going to make that a prayer this morning, and I want you to think of the area in your life that you're like, God, I need you to answer. God, I need you. I need your help. And so we're going we're gonna to take that area, that one thing, and we're going to say, Lord, I trust you. I put it in your hands. I believe you. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we trust you this morning. We put all of our faith, Lord, in you, knowing that this area of our life, this relationship, this financial situation, this work situation, Lord, this school, whatever, whatever it is, God, our health, we trust you. And we put our faith in you. We seek you knowing that you're the God that answers. So we put this in your hands, Lord. I also pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would change our hearts and start with mine. We don't want to leave you the same way we got here. Make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Like Benji said, it is officially Christmas time, and so uh, we had a bunch of mosaic elves here yesterday decorating. Didn't they do an amazing job as you walked in? And yeah. I saw these candles. And I was like, I hope we don't burn the place down. I don't think our insurance would be cool with that, but they're electric, I found out, so it's, it's okay. Did anybody see that giant Rudolph as you walk? Was anybody like, the heck? Yeah, it's a anyway, okay. So um, we, we also, this morning during our first service, I was looking, we have this, I don't know if you can see it, but we have this nativity scene. And Joseph, when I was looking at him, it looks like he's challenging someone to a dance battle to me. You know what I mean? He's like, you know what I mean? And then he's going to start. No one else thinks about that? Okay, anyway, so that's just what I think of. So um, we're, gonna, we're starting a new series, and we're looking at the different interactions that people had with angels leading up to the birth of Christ. There's four different times that angels showed up and said hello or greetings. G'day. Hey, what's the crack? Hola. 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 Como estas? Pura vida. Xin chào. Xin chào. Xin chào. Nhớ rong. Nhớ rong. Nhớ rong. Como esta? Como esta? Como esta? Como esta en la hat? Marhaba. Marhaba. Salam alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Bonsoir. Bonjour. Allo, sans cafette. Plus tard. Hello. Hello. Ciao. Ciao. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Jumribsuwa. Jumribsuwa. Selamat sejahtera. Apa khabar? Iswati. Iswati. Ha. Oi. Hesi. Merhaba. Namaskaramu. Aoi. Yate. Minglawa. Bish abal. Kioro. Labas kornayen. Sawai. Namaste. Shalom. Ya. Mingaboe. Dear Queen. Salam. Ramu. Isn't that beautiful? All those different languages and ethnicities and races all saying hello. So, so we're going to, like I said, we're going to look at the, the different angels and the interactions they had. And every time that they would start out, they would say greetings. And then they would immediately have to say, don't be afraid. And so that makes me think, I've always been intrigued by that idea that why would they have to say, don't be afraid, don't freak out, okay? And now, if angels look just like people, they probably wouldn't freak out. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, in your Bible reading a couple weeks ago, if you're reading along with us in the Bible reading plan, you would have read this. 
Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And so this tells us right here that angels can sometimes at least look like people, right? So maybe that was you. Maybe you were kind to somebody or you encouraged somebody or you helped somebody and you didn't know it, some stranger. And by doing that, you were actually uh, working with or interacting with an angel, which would be pretty cool at the end of your life to find out that that person was an angel. Uh, and it wasn't like an angel flutus. That's a different <laughs> angel. You know what I mean? Um, not all people named angel are angels. You know what my teachers used to tell me? <laughs> they used to say, your mom should have named you devil. <laughs> Isn't that hurtful? Anyway, so, um, but the, the interaction, so sometimes angels look like people, but sometimes, um, if, if that was the case, then the angels probably wouldn't have had to say, now don't freak out, don't be afraid. So uh, the Bible tells us, um, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that angels look like this, all right? That was actually Rembrandt's idea of what angels look like. There's nothing in the Bible that says they look like this. So an artist got AI, artificial intelligence, and he asked it to create, and he kind of worked with AI, to create a biblically accurate depiction of what an angel looked like based on the descriptions of angels in the book of Ezekiel. So this is what it came up with. It was like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the cherubim faced. The wheels did not turn about as the cherubim went. The cherubim went in whatever direction the head faced, without turning as they went. Their entire bodies, including their backs, their hands, and their wings, were completely full of eyes as were their four wheels. I heard the wheels being called the whirling wheels. Each of the cherubim had four faces. One face was that of a cherub, the second the face of a human being, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. Then the cherubim rose upward. These were the living creatures I had seen by the Kibar River. When the cherubim moved, the wheels beside them moved. Isn't that wild? Now, I'm not saying that's what angels look like, okay? So don't go get a tattoo of that, all right? Someone's like, what is that? It's my guardian angel. He protects me. So cute, all right? So don't, don't go do that. But, but that is pretty on point with what Ezekiel describes. And so um, if, that's, if that's what the angels look like, I can see why they would have to say, don't be afraid. Because I'd be afraid too. You know what I mean? I'd do my karate kid and be like, I don't know. Okay, so, so let's, let's look at the first, the first greeting, the first time an angel shows up to greet someone to prepare for the birth of Jesus. Uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Let me stop real quick. It says that they were righteous and observed all of God's commands, right? It also says they dealt with some adversity. They were childless. They couldn't have any kids. Don't let the enemy tell you that if you just behaved better, God would treat you better. That's a lie. All right? None of us, we, we can see these guys are doing everything right, and still life is happening to them. Sometimes it's just the broken world we live in. Sometimes it's just life. God is not judging you. He's not punishing you. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Uh, so they were not able to conceive. 
and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So Zechariah was a priest. He was born into this job. He would go into the temple. So it'd be kind of like going to church. But in the church, there's this area that only priests could go. And then, so Zechariah would go in there. And then one day a year, there was this even inner more uh, area that only one priest one day a year could go into. And so the average person could never go in to the temple of the Lord and, and do something like this. But this was a very, uh, very routine day for Zechariah. It says he was very old, so he'd been doing this his whole life. So he had done this many, many times. Uh, we also see that he's not a young man. So I imagine at one point, him and Elizabeth had some hopes, some dreams. They want to have some kids. They want to have a family. But it just never happened for them. And so Zechariah is a guy who's been disappointed by God. Can you see that? Like it doesn't say that, but it's definitely implied, right? That he's, he, he had, they wanted some kids, they couldn't have them. But notice that he's still showing up and worshiping and serving God. Even though the thing that happened, the thing he wanted to have happen didn't happen, he's still showing up and doing his thing. He's still a man of integrity. There's a lesson for us here. Even if things don't go my way, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what I said I would do. I'm going to keep my word. If I said I'd do it, I'm going to do it. If I said I'd be there, I'm going to be there. Do you have anybody in your life who, when they say they're going to be there, they might be there? They might not. If they say they're going to be there at 10, you can count them at 1030. Don't let that be you. Let it be said of you that if you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If you said you're going to be there, you're going to be there. That's Zechariah. He's, he's doing what he said he would do. And then, again, it says, once when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Luke tells us he's chosen by lot, meaning that they either um, drew some straws, flipped a coin, uh, some Bible scholars believe they would put rocks in a bag and paint one of them a different color and you'd reach in and pull one out. And so that's how they picked who was going to be going into the temple that day. And what he was going to do is he was going to burn incense, which meant it was incense represented our prayers. The Bible says that our prayers go up before God like incense. Incense also represents worship. So Zechariah is going to go into the temple. He's going to pray and he's going to worship God. But it says he was chosen by lot or by chance. I don't believe in, in, uh, in, in coincidence. I don't believe in chance. So I think God chose Zechariah that day. Sometimes things happen to you and you're like, man, that was weird. Pay attention to that because that could be God's hand directing you and moving you. If you think of someone, man, I haven't thought about that person in a long time. Maybe God's telling you to call them. Maybe he's calling you, telling you to text them, to encourage them. So God chose for him to go into that place and do his job. It was a very routine thing for him to do, but sometimes routine can kill expectation. He's just going through the motions, doing the same thing every day, praying his normal prayer, his normal way. It's all very routine. But can I be honest with you? I do not want to live a normal routine life. 
I don't want to raise normal kids. I don't want to have normal relationships. I don't want to pray normal prayers. I don't want to pastor a normal church. I want everything we do to be abnormal. I don't want it to be natural. I want it to be supernatural. I want the Holy Spirit's hand on everything we do in this place so that we get supernatural results doing the things that God has told us to do. And that's what I want for you too. So Zachariah's in there doing his normal thing, going to church, worshiping, praying, and this is what happens. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. It's interesting because Zachariah is praying, and when you pray, you expect that God's going to answer. But Zechariah had been praying this prayer for so long, he's surprised when God shows up. He's shocked. Now, in his defense, this was probably a very old prayer. I imagine he wasn't praying for a son anymore. Like his wife's on, she's already got Medicare Plan B going, you know what I mean? She gets that senior discount. She still wishes they bring furs back. Like she's old. He's old too, Okay. So he's probably not voicing this prayer anymore. He's probably given up on the prayer. But it tells us, it teaches us something. That the moment Zechariah prayed that prayer, God sent the answer. It just took a while for it to get to him. The moment he prayed, God answered. We see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel, God says, the moment you prayed, Daniel, I sent the answer. But the, the, uh, the enemy fought with the angel bringing the answer. Sometimes we've got to wait a long time. This guy has waited a long time for the answer to his prayer. And if you've been praying for something, I want to encourage you. Keep praying. Keep asking. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. If you've been praying for a spouse, keep praying. Keep asking. If you've been praying for kids, keep praying. Keep, if you've been praying over your kids, keep praying over those kids. Keep asking. If you've been praying for some kind of breakthrough, Keep praying, keep asking, keep asking God. We're not good at waiting, are we? Like, we live in a culture now that everything happens fast. If you go to Starbucks and you have to wait for your coffee, doesn't that irritate you a little bit? What do you mean it's not ready yet? Like, I, 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 I ordered it four and a half minutes ago. I've been in this drive-thru seven minutes. Look, we want everything instant. We want it all right now. I don't want to wait for the shows. I want the whole season right now. And we take that same attitude and we add it to God. We say, I'm going to pray and I expect an answer right now. God does not move on our timetables. He moves when he wants. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We are not. The clay does not tell the potter what to make. It's his decision. It's up to him. And it's in his time. But that should remind us to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep knocking. Look what James tells us. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, when you pray, God does stuff. And when Zechariah prayed, that opened the door for the angel to walk in and for, it, for him to enter his life. And the angel tells him, God is answering your prayer. You're going to have a son. Name him John. So if you were Zechariah, and you've been praying a prayer maybe 50 years, maybe longer. And God shows up, an angel. Even if he's all eyeballs and wheels. And what would you do? Would you be like, awesome, thank you, finally. 
I don't know what's with the eyes, but cool, thank you, right? Look what Zechariah does. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel shows up and says, Zechariah, the thing you've been praying for, it's going to happen. And Zechariah's like, come on. Come on, man. How, how can I know for sure? He doubts the angel. If you're from a certain generation, uh, you'll, you'll understand this video. This is basically what Zechariah tells the angel. He's explaining to the angel, look, man, I think you missed your window because me and my wife are old now and she's real old. You know what I mean? And so he, he's telling the angel why it can't happen. You know what he's doing? He's self-sabotaging. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we work so hard and, and God blesses us and we get to another level, but we're not comfortable at that level because no one in our family has ever been at that level. We don't know what it's like to be at that level. So you know what we do? We bring ourselves back to where we feel comfortable. God is trying to stretch us. But instead we say, oh, no, that can't really be me. And let me explain God why, why it can't happen, why it can't work. Now, I would understand if this happened at the Walmart self-check. Like an angel shows up at the Walmart self-check, Zachariah is like, what is going on? Right? Or he's in the Taco Bell drive-thru, an angel shows up, he's like, what's going on? But this happens in church, where Zachariah should be expecting to receive an answer to his prayers. And instead of saying, yes, thank you, God, let's do it, he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm already an old man, my wife's well along in years. Look what the angel says. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Notice that Gabriel didn't address any of his issues, did he? He didn't say, yeah, I know you're old, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you young. He didn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm going to make her young. He doesn't say, I'm going to slip you some Viagra. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't say, go home and put on some John Legend. That works every time. He doesn't say that, does he? Was that too much, the Viagra and the John Legend? I'm sorry. I thought they were funny when I wrote them. You guys should see the joke that I ran by her that she didn't let me tell. It was a good one, though. Anyway, I'm glad she's here. She helps me. So the angel doesn't answer any of his objections. He just says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. In other words, he says... So, so the Bible tells us that angels are ministering spirits. So they encourage and they deliver messages. That's what they do. So he shows up and he says, this isn't my message. I got this when I was standing in the presence of the Lord. God told me to tell you this. And now, because you've doubted, there's going to be consequences. I wish I could tell you that you can doubt God all you want and nothing will happen. But the Bible doesn't teach us that. The Bible says, if we doubt God, there are consequences. Look what happens. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Gabriel's delivering, delivering an important message. He says this baby's going to be born. His name is John. We know him as John the Baptist. He's the forerunner of Christ. He's the one that goes and speaks, goes ahead of Jesus preparing the way, and then 
he identifies Jesus as the Messiah. Not a more important job in the Bible than that. And so the angel says, this is so important. This, this is such a big deal. John, I'm closing your mouth. The power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. And the angel says, I can't afford for you to be talking right now. This is too important for you, for Elizabeth, and for mankind. So I'm going to close your mouth. You've been speaking against God's plan your entire life. And I can't trust you to do this right now. So in order for this to come to pass, I am shutting your mouth. But it's for your own good. So often in our lives, God is doing stuff and he's working. And then we open our mouths and explain to him why it can't work. Or we get in our own way by the things we say. So this morning, we're going to give God permission to shut our mouths. God, get me out of the way and do what you want to do in my life. So very politely, look at your neighbor and tell them, shut your mouth. Go ahead. Some of you have been waiting to do that a long time. You're like, where's my teenager at? Get him over here. The Lord has given me a word. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Stop telling yourself what you can't do. Stop telling yourself what you can't be or where you can't go or what you can't have. Stop telling yourself that those places are not for you. Because God wants to move you into a different area, but we are stopping ourselves with our own mouth. Stop saying, I'm not qualified, it's too late, I don't have the money, I don't have the connections. God, I can't do it because I have a record. God, I can't do it because I had an addiction. God, I can't do it because I don't have the right people or the right education or the right connections in my life. God, nobody's going to help me. Uh, I don't have the money that I need. Can I tell you as your pastor, very lovingly, shut your mouth. God is going to do what he's going to do. So Zechariah is unable to speak for months. And that gives him time to think. Sometimes silence is a gift. Sometimes downtime is a gift. Because it allows us to think. Our brains are processing more than they were designed for. You weren't designed to process all of the bad news all over the world every day. It wears on you. And so God is he's telling him, I need you to sit quiet and let me do what I want to do. And God's going to do some stuff in Zachariah's heart while he's doing it. Does anybody struggle with silence and being still? So um, this, over Thanksgiving, we had some friends come in. They're from Puerto Rico. They pastored in Puerto Rico. Now they live in Missouri. And very close friends of ours, they came and, and spent Thanksgiving with us. And it's Pastor Bert, his wife, Sohadis. Bert preached here a few months ago. He talked about the ants. It was incredible. Anyway, uh, Sohadis was there. And she's got a master's degree in neural theology and some kind of study of the brain. I didn't really understand it all. But we're sitting there after dinner. And uh, we're just talking. And she starts asking me questions. Have you ever had somebody analyze you, but you didn't know you were being analyzed? <laughs> so she starts asking me things like... Um, how I work. Like, where do you write your sermons? And I said, well, I write them at the coffee shop because I need some activity. I really struggled during COVID when all that was shut down, writing at my house. And, and how do you relax? And I said, well, I relax with activity. I don't, I'm not really good at sitting, sitting and, and, and being still and, and uh, about how I rest. And, 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 and basically, after we were all done, she says, um, has anyone ever told you uh, that you have ADD? <laughs> and I said, no. I've never, I've never thought about that. And she goes, and then she started talking to me about hyper-focus. 
and about, you know, when, when someone with ADD really wants to do something, they go all in with it. And I said, well, I always used, used to say, you know, I'm, I have an all-in personality. She goes, yeah, that's, that's called ADD. <laughs> and so, uh, I, like, for example, when I get on a plane, I, I've never been able to sleep on a plane. I see people that just get on there and, you know, I'm married to one. She just gets on and boom, she's out. And then when we're landing, she wakes up and she's refreshed. I can't do that. I have to make sure my, my laptop is charged and my iPad because I get anxious with the thought of downtime. And so um, if, you're, if you struggle with, like, being still and being silent, I understand. But let's not fill our lives with so much activity that God has to silence us, that God has to still us. I don't want his, his discipline in that way. Neither do you. But that's what happens with Zechariah. So after at least nine months of silence for Zechariah, this is what happens. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Could you imagine her walking into the ER, like 90 years old, but pregnant and in labor? Like, imagine it's your first day as a nurse. You're like, what the heck? I quit. Anyway, <laughs> came time for her to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. As they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah, his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Notice the last words he said were doubting God. And then after a long time out in silence, learned his lesson, and the first things he did was he started praising God. Let's make the most of those moments of stillness and silence. Let's allow God to speak to us. So uh, I want us to notice one last thing about this, and then we're going to pray. What was the father's name? Like three people were paying attention. What was his name? Zachariah. What's the baby's name? Bible scholars tell us that one of the things that priests would pass down to their children besides their profession, in the Bible, if your dad was a priest, you would become a priest. Uh, besides the profession, they would pass down their name. They would give them their first name. So everybody assumed his name's going to be Zachariah. But then to everyone's astonishment, he says, no, his name is John. And they say, wait, nobody in your family has that name. Your father's not named John. His grandfather's not named John. And his mom and dad say, I know. He's going to be the first one. As I was writing this um, in Starbucks, <laughs> 47, I felt so strongly that God was speaking to someone. And I don't know who it is, someone joining us online or someone in this room. But I felt like God is saying through this, you're going to be the first one in your family. You're going to be the first one in your family whose marriage maybe goes all the way. You're going to be the first one in your family to follow Christ till the very end of your life. You're going to be the first one in your family to go to college. You're going to be the first one in your family to start a business. You're going to be the first one in your family to tell your kids that you love them, to wrap your arms around them and father them till the very end. You're going to be the first one in your family. You know what else that means? All of that generational curse stuff stops 
right here. Because you are the first one. You're the one stopping it. And you're the one redefining what it means to be someone in your family. That's hard. Because his first name is John. There was never another John in the family. So he had to define what that name meant. And in your life, you're going to have to be the one that redefines what it means to love your kids, to love your spouse, to be there till the very end, to be faithful to God in a relationship with him. You're going to be the first one, but let me promise you one thing. You will not be the last one because it's going to start a generational thing with you that's going to carry on, the Bible says, to four and five generations, but it'll start with you. All of the old family stuff didn't apply to John because he was doing something new. And that same way, we're going to pray right now that all of that old generational family stuff will stop with you. Let's pray. Father, we trust you. And we know, God, that you have good things for us and for our lives. Forgive us, God, when we have when disagreed and even cursed our own, our own uh, road, God, with the things we've said. We give you permission, Lord, to, to close our mouths when we start to do that. Lord, I pray that today, as those generational curses break, as those generational things break off, I pray for a new thing in your people. I pray for new vision, new ideas, new creativity, a new picture of the future, a new picture of what it means to be a husband or a wife or a man or a woman, a new picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a new picture of what it means to be a father and a mother. And I pray, Lord, that those things birthed in your heart would manifest in the lives of your people. We trust you, Lord. We put our faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God. Savior, the one who will never fail, he will never fail. As Angel was wrapping up there, he was talking about being the first. I felt like God was saying, there is somebody in this room who you need to be the first to say yes to him. You need to be the first in your family to say, yes, I'm going to follow you. And that's the whole reason this church exists. It, can, it exists to connect people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. And so if that's you this morning, I'm going to say a very simple prayer, and there's nothing special about the words. It's all about you bringing the heart behind it. But I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want everybody to repeat after me. Pray, dear Jesus, this morning I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, for taking my sin on you. This morning, I pray you'd wash me, make me new. Help me to walk this new walk. In your name I pray, amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time this morning, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. You couldn't have made a better decision for your life. Now, you guys can go ahead and be seated.
Now, if you said that prayer for the first time this morning, um, I'm going to invite you to scan the QR code up behind me or on the seat backs in front of you because we know that saying, the, saying that prayer is just the first step in taking your walk with Christ. And so uh, we don't want to leave you hanging or anything like that. And so we want to send you, uh, if, you'll click, if you'll scan that QR code and click on New Believer, uh, we have a gift that we want to send you to help you take some of those next steps in your walk with Christ. Um, but before we uh, dismiss this morning, I just have some announcements for you. Uh, first of all, uh, you probably saw him when you were coming in. We, Santa is here. Uh, he's been here all morning. He's, he's excited to see you guys. So please stop by, take a picture with him, get your kids to take a picture with him. It doesn't matter if they're crying, right? Like those are still cute pictures. My daughter has always cried when we see Santa. So I don't know, whatever, <laughs> but we're still going to get a picture. She'll probably cry again. But uh, also, uh, last week we started our angel tree, um, and you guys are awesome. Let me just tell you, you took all of the kids from Prairie Heights Middle School, so we're going to bless them this Christmas. Uh, but there are still some seniors from the Joe P. Martinez Apartments uh, who we'd love to bless this Christmas. So if, that, if that's on your heart, uh, please stop by, grab one of those seniors, um, and uh, yeah, let's be a blessing to them this Christmas. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this, but we're starting a school of ministry. And so uh, this is for, for anyone. And, and it's really like if you've ever felt like you want to know more or, you, or you've ever felt like maybe I'm called to ministry, this is for you. And so we're going to be having an informational meeting next week after church. Um, but before then, if you go to our website, greedlymosaic.com, uh, right there on the homepage, there's a link for the school. Please click on that. Uh, let us know that you're interested. Um, and that's going to be starting here in January, so pretty soon. Uh, Coming up on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., our youth is having their annual Christmas party, and this year it's going to be a reunion party ever, uh, reunion party also. So if you've ever been a part of the youth group here at church, even from all the way, way back when, uh, we'd love for you to come out 6.30 uh, on Wednesday um, and join us for our youth Christmas party. And then the last thing, um, if you have kids who are in preschool or elementary, they're going to be singing on Christmas Eve with our choir. Um, if you're anything like me, I know that like it's more for the cute factor than the actual singing, but that's cool. Uh, but we want them to, uh, to to be a part of that. So please bring them on Sundays during this month because that's when they're going to be practicing and uh, learning the songs and things like that. And then obviously come out for Christmas Eve and watch them sing. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, but last thing before we dismiss is we're, we... We love to give here at Mosaic, and we believe that giving is an act of worship. And so we're going to worship God through our giving this morning. And, I, and I've already said, you guys, you guys are so generous. Like, we, we saw these names fly off this tree, and I've never been around so many people who are so generous. So can I just say thank you? Like, you guys are incredible, and you blow my minds every week because everything that happens here at, the at this church happens because of you guys. So thank you. Thank you for be being a part of what we're doing we are changing lives. And so we're going to pray this morning over this offering. Um, but if you'd like to continue to partner with us, you can see up on the screen, there's four ways you can give in person. There's a black box out in the foyer, online, uh, texting, or on the church center app. But let's pray over this offering. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in this church, um, but also through this church and the community around us and all of the areas that we support. God, thank you for letting us be your hands and your feet to those who, who, who need you. And so we pray over this morning's offering that you would take it, that you would multiply it, that you would extend its reach far beyond what we can imagine, Lord. Thank you for who you are and what you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Now with that, guys, have a great, great Sunday. Take a picture of Santa on your way out, but we love you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>